This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas 80, State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Trista's height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. You see, this is why you should be watching our streams, too, on Twitch and YouTube, though, if you're listening across the nation. Oh, we appreciate that. All over the BetQL network. Uh, Ryan and I at the home setups tonight. We have now dug through all of the sports memorabilia that we've got sitting around our places and various things that we have when we're a childhood. Uh, the Tony Kukoc jersey should not shock you came out first for him. I, the Larry Johnson Knicks jersey. Now, sir, I did something. I think it was a big mistake, Ryan. I went and grabbed this. Can you see what this is? I will stand up for you. It's a number 34 Phoenix Suns jersey. Who could that be, my friend? You're on mute. You're on mute. Come on. This isn't, I know it's like a Zoom call, but you got to be, yeah, come on, Ryan. There you go. No, you're right. Try again. Was. There was. you go. Charles Barkley, 34 Phoenix Suns. Here's the problem. It's a size 36, which I don't know how they size jerseys now if it's the same number. This thing shouldn't fit me, and it doesn't. It shouldn't fit a 10-year-old. I can't breathe right now. This thing is so tight, but I had to put it on. I'm committing to the bit. I got the next one for the next segment here, and we're going to talk to Ben Brown in a second here, and he's going to laugh at us because we're a bunch of fools. But I see you have a 55 Packers jersey. Is that a Johnny Blood jersey? Didn't he wear 55 way back in the day in like the 50s? Yeah, it's not a Johnny Blood jersey. This is actually a uh, Zadarius Smith jersey. So I celebrated okay. Brian Gutekunst and the Green Bay Packers actually spending money on the pass rusher uh, position on pass rushers. And I figured, well, Zadarius is going to be here in Green Bay a lot longer than Preston Smith. Well, I was a big idiot, and uh, now I'm stuck with the Zadarius <laughs> Smith jersey. So I figured I'd bring this one back out one last time. Well, at least that one fits you. I, I will make it through this segment because I'm committing <laughs> to this. But, I I mean, this thing is – it is – I thought the last jersey was tight on me in short. This thing is lit, yeah. is for – it's fit for a 10-year-old. So, so here we go. No way to really segue to Ben Brown, but we're going to do it anyway. NFL data scientist for Sumer Sports. If you were to dig through your closet or think back, Ben, what would be the most <laughs> random jersey or, like, piece of sports memorabilia or something that you have that if you popped it up right now and had access to it, we all would just be like, oh, damn, I forgot about that or whatever. Everybody's got something, don't they? Yeah, everyone's got, you know, obviously skeletons hidden in their closet and stuff. I just wish I would have known <laughs> ahead of time I could have got some of these things out. But I will say, as a Minnesota sports fan, I'm not even going to go in the football direction, but I was a pretty big believer when uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves made the trade for Andrew Wiggins when he was the number one overall draft pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, so I have yeah. a couple yeah. Cleveland Cavaliers Andrew Wiggins jerseys that uh, have not been worn since what? the day I bought them. I was trying to keep him as a collector's edition, and unfortunately, his career just did not pan out in the way in which I expected. So uh, I got a lot wow. of skeletons in my closet. That might not be the worst one, but it's the one I'm going to bring up here tonight. <laughs> Man. Uh, ben, let's uh let's get into the Super Bowl. Before we do, actually, let's start with the AFC championship game because you know I did not want to bet against Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey, <laughs> but I did with Baltimore, man, and I was a big fan of the Todd Munkin hire. I was a big fan of 
Lamar in the pocket, you know, Lamar pushing the ball down the field, not having to use his legs as much, but I just thought in that matchup against Kansas City, it should have been more quarterback power, more heavy sets, more uh, running the football. Uh, and we didn't yeah. get that for whatever reason. What was Baltimore thinking? You know, what do you take away from the AFC championship game? Like, did did Baltimore did, did Kansas City win that game or did Baltimore really just beat themselves? You know, I'm just kind of like not sold on how Kansas City's here still. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I mean, I, I don't want to take anything away from Kansas City, but I very much think like the, the follow-up from that game was the fact that the Chiefs, you know, only scored 17 points, didn't score in the second half, right? And, and in a lot of ways, still kind of coasted to a victory. And so I think you have to turn back the clock a little bit and you have to realize like, there were not only spots within this game that it was one or two plays that could have easily swung everything in the Baltimore Ravens direction. But kind of like you said, like the overall game plan and approach didn't really maximize where they were going to be most successful at in a lot of ways, you know, the intermediate uh, over the middle type routes was very much and is very much the spot that the chiefs have been most susceptible to from a passing perspective. There was basically none of that action. I would say for the Baltimore Ravens, kind of like you said, in early down type situations, they didn't have any sort of plan or reason for why they didn't want to stay ahead of the chains, I would say. And so getting in some of those second and five and second and four manageable situations because of Lamar Jackson's, you know, threat and the rushing ability, opening up some things underneath just wasn't utilized whatsoever. So although I think defensively, the game plan for the Ravens was sound, I think offensively, it's really easy to point fingers and blame and very much see that that was kind of the reason outside of the, the high variance type plays uh, for why Baltimore is not playing in the Super Bowl. And I think that's very much justified kind of coming out of how that game finished out for sure so this is going to go away from maybe numbers or any sort of data or maybe even any film this is more of like the human side of that but you, you the way you describe where the ravens were and we've heard a lot of this right they went away from their game plan they didn't look like the way that they used to be in some ways again we're speculating here with this but from what you saw do they in some ways look like a team given what they were in the regular seasons there that just got in their head a little bit where they thought about the situation they were in, where they saw the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, Lamar Jackson, that's all he did was talk about winning a Super Bowl. And I love that. Like, that's what he wanted to do. He was focused on what he wanted. But it just felt like to me, Ben, like that was a team that got away from what they were and almost like panicked in some ways. Yeah, and I think in a lot of ways, you know, obviously it's really hard to quantify those sorts of things where teams come out, yeah. you know, especially in the second half and like, and just don't look the same. But I think in a lot of ways, like you can go back to both conference championship games and you can kind of see the teams that maybe haven't gotten over the hump or haven't really been there from uh, before from a, you know, maturation perspective, but even in prior seasons, both in the Detroit Lions and Baltimore Ravens, and you can point to really costly situations where they did not maximize what they were supposed to do. And I think, you know, from the drops of the Detroit Lions side of football to the fact that the Ravens kind of completely abandoned where they had in a lot of ways been successful, not only where they had been successful, but also in the spots where the Kansas City Chiefs defensively had been weakest. I think that speaks to a team that, you know, probably got too tight or maybe not tight isn't the correct word, but very much like a team that, still needs to get over the hump. And I think there's justifiable reasons for why they didn't do that. And I think a lot of that is nerves and everything else and things that we haven't been able to quantify, but I still very much think play some sort of role in determining the outcome of these games, I would say on a day, on a weekly basis. Yeah. So we talked about obviously like Kansas city struggles against the run, definitely runs off tackle. So who scares you the most in this matchup? You know, if you're looking at player props on the offensive side of the ball for San Francisco, you know, McCaffrey's numbers are obviously pretty high. Debo's dealing with an injury, but he still went over all of his numbers last year. Uh, who would you target, you know, if you're looking at San Francisco on the offensive side of the ball for player props in this matchup? 
Yeah, I definitely. I, I think if you're just looking to attack, you know, where the where the Chiefs have been, I would say weakest at. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I do think they're gonna have to hit a deep shot or two, and I very much think that Brandon Ayuk is kind of the gonna be the focal point of some of the early scripted play sets in their intermediate long routes. And I do think they are gonna take at least one or two shots there. To me, if I was trying to play on the positive side of things for the 49ers passing offense. Ayuk is very much the approach that I want to take. I think, you know, specifically with how good, you know, the 49ers have been from a yards after catch perspective, I do think in some ways they are going to at least be successful in minimizing Debo Samuel. But I think that opens up things for other guys. I think Brian Ayuk is kind of like the prime example of that. I also think Juwan Jennings, you know, had some opportunities in the conference championship game and could be just a little bit overlooked given the, you know, the four horses that they kind of have outside of him for the 49ers skill position offensive players. So I like Juwan Jennings overs. I like Brandon Ayuk. Overs. I do think if I'm looking to play an under, it is very much on that Debo Samuel, Samuel like under 21.5 longest reception. I think even though he's going to be involved, I very much think he is outside McCaffrey going to be the focal point for the Chiefs offense. And they're very much going to be aware of where he's at on the football field in relation to the motion that the 49ers are going to play so much of. So I like Samuel over or Samuel under Ayuk over. And I do think if Jawan Jennings, you know, uh, it has some opportunities early on, he is, you know, very much could be a focal point for some live betting opportunities throughout the game yeah you mentioned McCaffrey his rushing plus receiving set at 30 uh 130 and a half and I mean Ryan and I were talking about this before Ben and it's like I don't care what they set that number at they just still find ways to get him at least in contention to go over there we thought last week against the Lions run defense I think it was about eight it opened at 88 and a half just rushing yards got up a little over 90 hit 90 plus the receiving yards on top of that just feels like no matter what the matchup is Kyle Shanahan and Christian McCaffrey both combined just find ways to get the yards when they need it, get the production when they need it. It works out every single week. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, a lot of ways, um, you know, the, the game script perspective, you know, with the fact that that game was so fast paced did kind of cater to that. And obviously Christian McCaffrey is going to get his and in some ways, you know, fading that is never going to be a good feeling. But I think, you know, obviously if you do want to play some overs, I would say, especially on player props, like, now is very much the time to do it because I do think, especially when you kind of have, you know, a marquee name like McCaffrey, like his prop numbers are only going to go in one direction. It seems to be, at, you know, the, in the week leading up to the Super Bowl. So I, I know we look at the the long, the rushing and receiving yards prop numbers right now and think they're pretty high, but I only think those are going to push even higher for McCaffrey in particular. So if you do kind of buy into the fact that, you know, he, he is going to be the focal point of this offense and the 49ers are going to be playing from ahead, I definitely think it is justifiable to do that. But I do have like maybe just a little bit of a different read on the game script in general. And I do probably lean more towards the under 47 uh, than this game playing over the game total pace. So from that perspective, I am mainly targeting, I would say, some you know prop number unders and waiting, I would say, to get in on some of that action until we get closer to kickoff. Yeah, I'm with you. I like the under a lot in this game. What are your thoughts, you know, uh, on the on the field goal kicker props, actually? You know, I was looking at some field goal kicker props. Um, what do you think about that? Because I'm with you. I don't know how many possessions there's going to be for either of these teams. Right. Right. And it seems to be like that's the way that the Chiefs have not only been successful, but have kind of wanted to play it all season, right? Like they want you know, a, a shot at the end. And if they're up early, they're going to kind of sit and squat on the football. So I, I think from a field goal percent, you know, field goal numbers, I haven't looked, I would say really intricately at some of this individual field goal numbers, but I do think chiefs first drive resulted in a field goal at like a plus three fifty price. I think they kicked the field goal roughly 30% of the time we have seen, I would say Andy Reed, 
be somewhat less aggressive when like the lights are shining brightest, especially early on in games. And it does seem like in a lot of ways, they do want to rely on defense and rushing the football in this current iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs. So I, I like them to be somewhat successful moving the football, but probably settle for a field goal on their first drive uh, has kind of been like the one spot that I've really got involved with from a field goal percentage, you know, number I would say right now. Talking to Ben Brown, BetMGM tonight. I'm going to leave this kind of open-ended for you because I feel like there's a lot of directions we could go with this, and it's been something I'm curious to see what everybody feels because it's been such a big narrative. But what is your take at this point on Brock Purdy just as a quarterback? So it is it, it is a tricky subject, and I will start this by saying like I, I was probably lower than most heading into the season on Brock Purdy, and for all intents and purposes, like, he, he's very much far exceeded anyone's expectations. To me, I think there's probably two sets of evaluation from the quarterback position. And is Brock Purdy playing really well in this Samson 49ers offense? I would undoubtedly say yes. I do think he's making essentially all the throws that they're asking him to make. And I think that is leading to a very productive and the most efficient offense in football. I think the other side of the evaluation, and this might be the part that gets lost from an analytics perspective, is like the question of, you know, who else could potentially fit into this role and do similar things to what Brock Purdy is doing. And I think if you classify a, a, a handful of guys more than what the status quo expectation is, you turn into a Brock Purdy hater. hater. And I'm not quite sure I, I want to get involved with that sort of discussion. But to me, I think he's done everything asked of him. Have there been a couple throws that he would probably like to have back? Yes. Is there still some part of me who thinks that he could potentially be the reason why the 49ers fall short in this particular Super Bowl? Yes. But I still think, you know, overall, the questions about him ha have very much been silenced by his play so far this season. And I do think, you know, outside of like who else could potentially deliver a similar performance in this particular offensive structure, I, I think the case is kind of closed for him being some sort of like quote unquote game manager because he's very much, I would say, elevated himself to uh, a, 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 an upper tier of quarterback play so far this season. Yeah, and Ben, I love Kyle, and I know, like, especially, like, we criticized Dan Campbell. He was too aggressive. Right. He should have taken the points. I mean, I criticize him for, like, you know, like you run the ball on third down. I guess that's more on Ben Johnson. You call the timeout. But, you know, like, does that scare you, or would that concern you if you're back in San Francisco in this spot as a two-point favorite, just that Kyle Shanahan, um, not always very – not always aggressive. And Andy Reid, I feel like has the coaching advantage here. I don't know if that's like a hot take. Kyle Shanahan's obviously great at scripting, uh, scripting and, and calling plays, but I don't know. You got to give Andy, I think, the uh, edge here. Would that concern you at all uh, with San Francisco, just kind of like what we saw against Detroit with Kyle again? Yeah, I very much think it's, a, you know, a concern for me from San Francisco. Like, I do think, you know, in general, like the one thing you can ding Kyle Shanahan for has been like his fourth down decision making and then like his timeout usage and those sorts of things. And, and in a lot of ways, like, that really hasn't been corrected this year. And in some ways that's kind of like not the lowest common denominator, but one of the easier things to correct. So in some ways, you know, it, it seems like Kyle Shanahan, who, like you said, is so innovative from an offensive play con standpoint, would kind of be able to figure out more of the, the easier type of problems. And that just really hasn't been the case. So it has concerned me. I, I would say it's going to continue to concern me. I think part of that is this relationship with him and Brock Purdy. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I still think like they're going to have to beat Patrick Mahomes at his best. And I'm just not quite sure if the 49ers are going to be capable of that coming up here next Sunday. That's That's been a struggle for teams so far. I'll tell you what, even if he has a dad bod and gets made fun of, it doesn't matter, damn it, it's Patrick Mahomes. Ben Brown, great to talk to you again, man. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Oh, we can't wait. It's BetMGM tonight. As a staff, 
We're into the 49ers right now, studying them. And then our other people that are that have been put in place to deal with all the logistics, they've done that. We knocked a little bit of it out on the plane. And then, so when we got back, we were able to either jump on it last night or get in early this morning and knock it out. So the actual 49ers. So we've been hitting it now for a few hours. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. That was Andy Reid and Tom Brady's Let's Go podcast. 49ers, Chiefs, I don't know if you know this, they're playing in a really big football game a week from this Sunday. It's called the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's going to kind of a big deal. Don't know if Andy Reid was eating any nuggies uh, during that interview, but, you know, Andy Reid is so great in those State Farm commercials, Ryan. Like, he's underrated funny. Love Andy Reid. Huge Andy Reid fan, man. I would love to hang out with Andy Reid. He might be number one on my uh, who do I want to go with to a nightclub with as far as my head coaches right now, which, by the way, going with the Robert Young uh, rookie card t-shirt here. So shout wow. out to the Brewers, even though I'm a Cubs fan. But yeah, I uh, I love Andy Reid, man. I've always been a huge Andy Reid fan. I'm also a big fan of the uh, Go podcast, so like liked hearing Andy on that bad boy. Yeah, well, as we continue the uh, since we're at the home studios tonight, the uh, the random on? sports apparel or memorabilia. All right, so for anybody only listening across the BetQL network all across the country, and we thank you for that. If you're not watching on yeah. Twitch or YouTube, Ryan, it is a number four Mavericks jersey. Who could this be, my friend? Number four Mavs would have to be Michael Finley. Yes, Michael yeah. Finley, my friend. Michael Finley, and this is the old, for anybody that's just listening, it's the old Mavs jerseys, too, where it said Mavericks across the front, and it's uh, you got the, the blue and the green lettering. Again, this also is too small for me because these are all childhood things. I haven't put any of these jerseys on that you that we've gone through tonight. I know you said with the Coach one, too, you got it when you were, like, 10. Same thing for the Larry Johnson. Like, Michael Finley was one of my favorite players growing up, too. Loved Finley with the, with the Mavs, man. He was so damn good. And that team, I, I mean, you go back and look, and I'm like, man, they had Steve Nash there, too, the first time around. Like, they just never it, – it took yeah. so long for the Mavs to really turn it around as an organization. Big fan of Michael Finley. But, yep, this is, the, this, this is one of the more random ones that I have. The next one, I think, though, I think the next one may be the most random of all. Uh, maybe. I do – well, I got a couple. We'll see. We got – we're doing this thing for, what, five more, five more segments? I got a few to fill every single one. So the, the bit is going to continue. I can I can promise you that. More random than Michael Finley is impressive, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of them, you'll see. You know what? I'm not spoiling the surprise. I got, I got the ultimate one. I think I'm going to save that for the last segment of the show. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll save it for that. So you got to stick around and see which one that's going to be because that's going to be the most random jersey of all. I can promise you that. Uh, besides, <laughs> obviously, Bobby Boucher and Shane Falco sitting behind me right now. So. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I'm actually, the most impressive part about this whole thing is that your wife has allowed you to keep all of these jerseys. That's where I could tell that you haven't had to move around a whole lot. Because, like, my first two moves, I was able to bring a lot of this stuff. Like, I told you, like, when mm -hmm. the Chicago Cubs won the World Series in 2016, I was living in Iowa at the time. I was not living yeah. in Chicago. So my grandfather, God bless him, he would save the newspaper every single day. There's 162 baseball games. So I have a stack of mm -hmm. 162 newspapers recapping, box scoring every single Cubs game from 2016. But then we get into the postseason. 
And you got to remember, they go to game seven in the World Series. Dodgers series goes yeah. the max. So I just had stacks on stacks on stacks of newspapers, jerseys on jerseys on jerseys from mm -hmm. Sharif Abdul Rahim to Allen Iverson. Ooh. But I had to get rid of some of this stuff. So shout out to your wife for allowing you to keep some of this stuff because you, you can't ditch these things, man. These are things like no. your sports memorabilia, mm -hmm. your, your past. You have to keep these things, which I know Scott would agree with, obviously. He's the... Uh, He's the Jersey guy. Oh yeah, he's Scott. Scott brilliant. says he has a surprise for us. It's something we're, uh, that he's got on. So what? What do you have, Scott? I know you said you see. This is what people. If you don't know this, Scotland loves the actual game worn stuff. I'm wearing like the cheap when you're a kid, iron on type deal. Scott has the game worn. You can find the pictures, and he can yeah. geek out and say this this sweat stain right here was from this game. That's what you <laughs> you go far above and beyond anything we have. Uh, a little later on, I will join you because tonight we are doing it okay. from the uh, from the quaint dining room table. Yeah. In the friendly confines. And the last thing I want to do is get a little splash of sauce. But you, you're physically yeah. fit, Nick. Ryan, you're in good shape. I'm, I'm wearing a beer t-shirt. So the jersey <laughs> that I will put on next will be snug fitting even the most physically fit of leads just on purpose so that'll be your clue and i will i'll sport that perhaps during the sweat chamber and we can we can roll out a couple more would you rathers on a wednesday for you boys just to to keep you on that's, the edge of your uh couches that's perfect but keep in mind scott everything i've worn i wore when i was a kid none of these i could wear in public that that charles barkley sons jersey i had was a 36 and that thing was oh that, that wasn't God. going past my belly button. I promise you, that thing was not actually that was that was too snug for anybody. So don't worry, we're all on the same page. But that's what's great. These are things from childhood, man. That's what makes them so much fun. But yeah, the Michael Finley one. This is one I still hold dear, man. Finley was one of my favorite players growing up. You know, I liked random players growing up too. It wasn't always just the big stars. Yeah. You know, just good players. You know, guys who were all stars sometimes, couple of times. Just you know. Like Tony Kukoc, right, Ryan? I mean, you know, Tony Kukoc yeah. wasn't a perennial all-star, but damn good. And one of the greatest six men we've ever had. See, I was a realist, man. So, like, when I would be shooting hoops in the driveway, I knew I was never going to be Michael Jordan. But I was like, maybe, <laughs> just maybe, if I had, if I could set a hard screen and hit a three occasionally, I could be Judd Bushler. You know, like, I had realistic goals and <laughs> dreams growing up. Yes, I wanted to be a professional athlete. But I knew I was never going to be Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Michael Jordan, Peyton Manning. You know, so at best, I could be maybe Chad Pennington. Judd Bushler. There you go. I love when we have random Bushy names that just show three. up on Kaboom. our show. That was always my favorite call growing up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're sitting here now. They're starting to get at least like we're at the point now where we're still so early, I think, as we get closer mm -hmm. to, you know, the Super Bowl and what matchups are going to look like. I Can I be honest with you? I've been thinking about this for a while. I don't know if we need the bye week before the Super Bowl. Like, I sit here and I look at this and think, oh, yeah, like Andy Reid's talking about getting into the film and we're starting practice and we're doing – I if we're going to do this, I have two rules, two things I'd want changed, Ryan. Okay. Either Super Bowl Saturday next week, yes. right? Like, let's do it one day early, Super Bowl Saturday, or – 
Let's lose this damn bye week. I want to get right into the Super Bowl. I don't need the two weeks. I don't need all this 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 lead up. I don't need to sit here and be reminded that soon we're not going to have football on Sundays anymore and we're going to be wandering aimlessly in the streets with a beer wondering what we're supposed to do because there's no more football and what comes next. I don't want that. I hate this this like week and a half where we go, okay, I got this game coming up. Because like, right, you and I are so used to being in a spot where games are done from last week. We're on the show. We look back at what happened. We're looking ahead to the following week. Bets we like, storylines we like. This is a show that kind of mixes all of it together. That's what makes it fun. But now we got two weeks of this stuff. I don't want it. I'm over it. I know the NFL is never going to change either one of those things. I've accepted it like you accepted. You could only be Judd Bushler and never Michael Jordan. But I still will campaign for Super Bowl Saturday and no bye week between conference championships in the NFL or in the Super Bowl. I'm trying, but I know it's never going to happen. I think we have a better chance of one day getting Super Bowl Saturday than we do eliminating the bye. And I like the bye just because it allows these teams – to be healthy, you know, to get another, not to be healthy. It's not like one week is like a magic pill and you're just going to be able to. It helps though. Your... I, I get it. But yeah, so you get, you get the extra week of rest. You get to get some guys a little bit healthier. We get to hype up the game. Also, we get to delay the inevitable, which is football season is about to end. And then it's just NBA, NBA props, mm-hmm. college hoops, which I love those sports. Once we get to tournament time, once we get to the NBA playoffs, but the first couple of weeks after the NFL season ends are rough. And I love golf and UFC and everything else. So this is why I always say, man, when it's Thursday, when it's week nine and it's it's Bears Commanders, we're gonna miss this. We're gonna we're gonna miss these Thursday nights. As bad as they are, we're going to miss this. So yeah. Um yeah, I, I mean like I would love some action. I, I wish I wish like the Pro Bowl, I don't though. I don't wish the Pro Bowl was different or meant more or the competitions were any yeah. better, or the skill competitions. Like, I don't care. I, I actually kind of like having a weekend to just focus on college hoops, figure out what we've missed mm-hmm. the first month and a half, two months of the season, and get ready for the Super Bowl. And uh, then it's over. So I, I'm with you on the Saturday thing, though. I think actually the most realistic thing that happens, though, the more realistic thing is that the Super Bowl goes to pay-per-view or goes to Netflix. It goes to a streaming service yeah. and we're paying money for the Super Ooh, Bowl man. rather than it get moved to a Saturday. But it should. Or just the Monday should be a national holiday, which I know actually some companies have started this. Have they really? Yeah, I know a couple companies where, like, they're just – they're not going to be – Wow. It, it's kind of like – I mean, like, you know that nobody's going to be productive on that Monday. So why even mm. bother being open? You know what I mean? Like, you might as well yeah. just shut down. If if, if everybody's going to show up hungover, like, you told me last night, there's people, I, I I was yesterday year old, yesterday, yesterday's year old, when I learned that people don't watch the Super Bowl, that there's people on this planet that don't watch the big game. I you know. told me this yesterday, and I was shocked. That means everybody, even if you don't drink, is going to be a little bit hungover going into work on Monday when you think about it because you're going to be mm-hmm. all amped up for the game. By the time you get home, if you're at a Super Bowl party, by the time you get home, it's probably 11, 11.30. You got to unwind. It's probably midnight, 1 a.m. Then you're getting up early. I mean, I know we do this every single night, but yeah, I think it, I think the Monday should just be a national holiday or we should switch to Saturday. So I'm with you there. If I was yeah. the president of the United States, That'd be the first move. That'd be my first move right there. You know, I did have it presented to me before, though. By the way, I'm picturing you as the president of the U.S., and that would be interesting. I think there'd be some— I don't think it could be any worse than 
you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about. God. I'm kidding. He'd be younger. I know that. We'd have somebody younger yeah. for a change, which would be a good good change of pace, as opposed to people that are 100 years old. That's conversation for another show, another day. You know, but it is true though that like Sunday night, it like the argument that's been made to me with this before, right? Is that Sunday night is the most popular TV night of the year? Well, first off, does that really matter anymore? Because everybody's watching everything on demand. You're streaming. Like live sporting events are the only things, or like news or sports shows are really the only things that people watch live anymore. What? What is there a like? What's appointment television where people actually watch it live? Like, I guess maybe The Bachelor, but it's like reality TV, so it's not the same. So that whole narrative doesn't hold any water because it's a live sporting event that people are going to watch no matter what. And not only that, it's the most popular live sporting event and the most popular sport for the most popular TV shows because the NFL is the most popular thing on TV week after week after week all the time. Wherever the NFL puts the Super Bowl, people are going to watch it. This is going to be the most watched Super Bowl of all time. It's going to be the most bet Super Bowl of all time. You put it on a Saturday, you're not going to lose an audience. There's going to be more people that are going to be happy to do that because you're not going to have to get up for work the next day. Because, yes, there are people that don't watch this. And the NFL would get more. And it's the Super Bowl. Everybody cares about this somewhat. And people are going to care more because you got freaking Taylor Swift this time around. It It's time we moved it to a Saturday I would love that. You could even start it later. Start it at 7.30. Start it at 8. The West Coast will be happy with that. Like, it's it's fine. Like, it just doesn't, at this point now, and you know what? You're probably right. Netflix will have it one day. It'll be pay-per-view. I think it's more likely a streaming service has it than anything else. I don't know what yeah. a team would, like, what a, a network would pay for that. I mean, $5 billion, $6 billion for one game, right? It'd probably be something astronomical like that. You would think, man, especially the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be probably five billion. I, I would assume. I mean, just throwing yeah, a, yeah. Throw out there. Also, well, think about know, it like this: something... Amazon. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you go. On. No, you go on because I'm about to take us down a whole new path. So you go on. Oh, that's fine. We'll go down a rabbit hole. The only thing I was going to say was think ESPN pays, I think, an extra billion to have one of those wild card games. Amazon pays a billion per year to have Thursday night football. So. I feel like you'd have to combine those prices at least. You're looking at two, then you probably want to double that at least because it's the Super Bowl and there's the advertising. So yeah, I would I would I would estimate between four and five billion dollars a streaming service would pay to have the exclusive rights to the Super Bowl because you could do so much with it. You know, you have all these alternate broadcasts and all these creative ways like what Amazon does with Thursday night football. I'm with you. I think at some point that happens. I hope we never reach that day, though. I hope it never comes to that yeah. because, man, imagine like you know your grandparents when the game's not on cable, how how or you know even your parents like your dad's calling, yeah. trying to figure out how to get into your Peacock app. Yeah, I don't want yeah. that. And uh, everybody should be able to watch the Super Bowl. I was gonna say, you know what I can't stand? You brought up Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. Are there really people on this planet? who are boycotting the uh, NFL because of Taylor Swift. I can't watch anymore. They're forcing Taylor's. Like, are there really going to be, were there really people that didn't watch Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes because of Taylor Swift? Are there really people that aren't going to watch the San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs playing the Super Bowl because Taylor Swift is going to be shown three times? Get a grip, people. Get over yourself. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are people out there that are willing to do that then you can go ahead and make your life less happy because it really doesn't matter that much. It's a few seconds. Who cares? It's Pet MGM tonight. We're back with Bet MGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM.
Ryan Horvath, Nick Ashew, BetMGM Tonight. The uh, sports apparel from the home studios continues. I've gone with Larry Johnson, Nick's jersey, Charles Barkley, Suns jersey. Uh, what else did I do? Uh, Michael Finley, Mavs jersey, since this bit started. Ryan started with a Tony Kukoc Bulls jersey. Shocking. He only talks about Tony Kukoc as much as Aaron Rodgers, which is ironic yeah. for the next thing he has on here. And then you had, what else did you have to recap the other ones? So we went Tony Kukoc jersey. We went um, a little Zadarius Smith jersey. We're wearing baseball yes. card t-shirts. And then here, though, we got the old uh, Aaron Rodgers four more years. And this is the reason we brought this one out. And we're going with the t-shirt, the Aaron Rodgers. We got the mustache. We got the four more years. Is because we started the night off talking about the New York Jets and the article that came out in The Athletic, how big of a mess the organization is has been, always will be. And uh, you know what, man? If they could just get Aaron Rodgers to stay healthy for the next four years, I think the Jets might just have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. So I brought back out the uh, old Aaron Rodgers apparel for you, Nick. Now, what do you got? got on? What do you I got? Would... So you got an Orlando Magic jersey on there. Yep. And I see, uh, what number yeah, are we see... rocking here? Is that a Dennis Scott, a All Nick right. Anderson? No. Is that a Ronnie Cycli? A number no. one? So no. is that Penny Hardaway? Ah, uh, so you would think, right? Because this is the original Orlando Magic with the stars, the O, the black yeah. with the pinstripes going down the side. So you would think Penny Hardaway. That was the number one for this normally. But remember, teams would wear throwbacks with new guys on the roster. This is actually a Tracy McGrady T-Mac. throwback Orlando Magic to essentially what they wore when it was Shaq and it was Penny back then. But it's just the Tracy McGrady one of it. So it's a combination of like, Two different eras, even though they didn't wear this jersey normally, it was when they started doing the throwbacks early on in the NBA then. And there was that, that was, that was Tra- Tracy McGrady with the Magic was, I mean, he was a bucket. We never got to see what would happen with Grant Hill. Always hurt there. But that, that yeah. Magic team, God, we talk about super teams. Everybody always forgets that the Magic were one of the originals trying to build a super team back in the day. They were trying to get Tim Duncan too. Yeah. Yeah, remember that, man? And I thought that they had a legit shot at Tim Duncan. He ends up obviously going yep. back to the uh, going back to the Spurs. But I had a buddy. Um, so I actually did a show when I was in college. It was called the Tuesday Tip-Off. And all we did for two hours was right. talk NBA. And he had a take that Tracy McGrady, if he would have stayed healthy, would have been better than Michael Jordan. He would have been the best player in the league. And I disagreed with the take. But, man, T-Mac was something else. He was legit but uh it's funny when i saw that number one man because i loved penny hardaway when everybody else was buying jays to play in michael jordan's i was buying the year pennies great commercial great sneaker to play in i love the jays i just i can't play in michael jordan's michael jordan's jesus i sound like my grandfather you shouldn't i can't play in jays though i i gotta play i uh i need more more uh like uh more cushion yeah that well that's the rule especially ones jordan ones was always you don't play in them remember years later jordan went back to the garden and wore the original ones and like had a foot injury after it you don't you don't wear those now they're actually football cleats and guys are wearing those but they're actually like made properly they just look like jordan ones jordan ones are like the only ones that i actually wear i love those because you can do a million things with them those are like the all-time sneaker for me but yeah you don't play basketball in them they're a I mean, they're just for it's a it's a fashion sneaker. That's all that it is. So yeah, but you're right, Tracy McGrady, another just all time great 
It's one of those hashtag people forget, like you say, right? Allen Iverson and Tracy McGrady, two got two of the greatest scorers of all time in the NBA, not in the conversation enough of all-time great players. They really aren't. They deserve more, more conversation with, about how great they were. Yeah, I completely agree. Scott, what do you got going on here? Because it looks, oh, it looks like, oh my. Yes, let's. Oh, something see. that I will not be able to take off anytime soon, gentlemen. I am being wrapped uh, by some sort of snake. This is a 2012 <laughs> Christopher oh, look Cooley. Look at the sleeves. To, I thought he had pads on. You can't get this at home. That's look at just those my guns. shoulder. It was, it was arm day here around the Lynn house. Uh, yeah, this is a 2011, <laughs> 2012 Christopher Cooley. Uh, Tight end jersey, NFL issue, game worn. Uh, I think 2012 was Chris's last season. Two-time Pro Bowler. Uh, formerly used to occupy uh, our airwaves, probably the airwaves that we're occupying right about now. 400-plus um, catches, 33 career touchdowns. Really good tight end uh, for for then the Washington Redskins. And former co-worker, nice enough to share uh you know you can see the little the piping on the neck and the whole it's yeah. this thing ain't coming off without a crowbar and some vaseline pause oh that. man that let me tell you something one of the one of the most oh yeah scott i mean that is the that is the like true original the elastics around like the sleeves there with them and it's you've got the real thing going on i'm i'm glad you got that and uh i, I can picture how he talked to you about it. anybody that's ever heard chris cooley talk there scott i just i just want to say you were a you're a really nice guy so i'd love to give you one of these jerseys would would you like one of my jerseys i can just a generous guy there ma making pottery somewhere now just randomly going on a couple yeah. of podcasts in dc and that's it <laughs> he's uh he's out west with the family owns a lot of land i think it's either in wyoming yep. or utah i believe it's in wyoming and wyoming, um, wyoming i mean yeah. i i yeah I, I told chris i was this isn't gonna go to ebay it's in my closet and it's uh to share with you boys on a night like tonight this will there never be sold Chris is like, I know you collect. And I said, I do. And I, it was a pleasure to work with him for a good several years. And he was he was an absolute blast, as Nick said, and damn good at his job, too, both in the media and then also uh, on the air, too. I, I'm sorry, in the media, will, and obviously, as a football player. Yeah, I will never forget when I did the morning show with him one time when I was still doing uh, DC radio and I was doing a later show. But you guys moved me to the mornings and he was out the night before at a concert. He was still he was still buzzing that morning, man. That was the most fun I've ever had on a show. He walked in ten minutes before the show, kicked the speed up, and was like, "I had a really late night last night. I think I'm still drunk." And well, that was that was it after that. And it was a fun show. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, he was an interesting interesting cat. Hour three. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. You're acting like you've uh, you've had that experience before, Ryan. Ever ever been in that spot before? Oh, yeah. You do mornings, morning radio. I mean, if you have any sort of social life, you know, and you actually show up Monday through Friday, you know, you're probably going to have to deal with a couple of those. And it was like back in the day, uh, there was more perks involved. You'd get free concert tickets. You know, you would go to events yeah. and uh, you'd get yeah. home at like 2 a.m. You'd set the alarm and uh, you'd make sure that you have your phone plugged in because everybody's yeah. been there. I mean, have you... I heard Patrick Mahomes telling that story as well. You know, like uh, it was his first year, his rookie year with the Chiefs, and he went to a club or went out to a bar, and Travis Kelsey just happened to be there. That's They talked about this when they realized they were going to be boys, when they were going to be friends. And Mahomes said he was late to team practice, to meetings the next day, because 
he set his alarm like six times, you know, 601, 603, 607. Yep. But he forgot to actually plug his iPhone into the wall and then his phone died. So his alarm never went off. I've been there before, um, you know, yeah. morning radio, those kind of mornings. But uh, yeah, we don't have that problem anymore, luckily, it- since we're on from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Don't have to worry about waking up late for this show. Though there's also the AM nope. PM thing that people have messed up too. You set the alarm for 5 AM and it's 5 PM and you're like, well, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. That's very, very common. That's very common. All right, Scott. Uh, I know we got a few would you rathers yet. It is a Wednesday. So why don't we continue some of those would you rathers that you got for us? All right. I'll try to breathe in the Jersey. We'll give it a whirl. Uh, <laughs> would you, would you rather a little more basketball boys? Nick, we'll start with you for this one. Would you rather Jokic? or the field for NBA MVP. Uh, Jokic, minus 120. The closest is SGA, currently at plus 300. I mean, obviously, price alone, I'm going to want to take the field because minus 120 is not going to get you much with Jokic. But let's even take the price aside for this and just think about it from just a realistic perspective here. As great as Jokic is, we talk about this a lot, there is voter fatigue and it kicks in very, very quickly. Jokic has been in that window where he's been an MVP, a multi-time MVP. We've seen that happen. We saw it with Giannis uh, where he wins back-to-back, and it's really, really difficult for guys to win, let's say, three straight or three out of four years, or you got to go back to Larry Bird for that and Magic Johnson for the three out of four. And we talk all the time about how Michael Jordan could have won every single year. LeBron James in his prime could have won every single year winning that MVP. So it's more than just, hey, this guy deserves it. It's also the fact that you look around and say there are other players that voters are like giddy to vote for. SGA might be that guy. Luka might be that guy. The issue here, obviously, is if Joel Embiid is out of the race because he doesn't play 65 games, you're taking away a really important part of that field and somebody that I think could win it in Joel Embiid. Now he's going to be out Thursday, so that's going to be an even bigger issue in that game at Utah. So I would still go field, even though we might end up missing uh, Joel Embiid. Price is a big reason, clearly, but also because Nikola Jokic has kind of had his window, and guys don't win it every single year, even if they deserve it every single season. Yeah, I agree with everything that Nick said, but I don't want to be boring, so I'll actually make the case for Jokic here. He's the best player in the league. They're the defending champs, and he doesn't miss games. You know, he plays. That's the thing. He plays back-to-backs. I don't think they're going to use load management down the stretch, and I know it doesn't matter. Regular season awards don't matter. People joke that even the playoffs and the NBA finals didn't matter. He just wanted to get home and race his horses. But I think the game does matter to him. I just think he's the best player. And the only other case really, I mean, yeah, you can make the case for Shea, obviously, and especially because OKC is the top seed in the West. But is that sustainable? I don't know. And they do have a bunch of talent. Luka leads his team in points, rebounds, and assists, as well as steals. But are the Mavs going to be a top five seed even in the West? Are they even going to make the playoffs? Is Kyrie ever going to show up and do his job? Giannis has Dame this year. Embiid's not going to play enough games. Tatum, I feel like they have too much talent too. So that would be my case for Jokic. He's the best player on the best team, on the defending champs. And he plays every night and leads the team in pretty much every statistical category. But I'm with you, Nick. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's always it's always nice when somebody shows up every single time to work. So it's 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 tough when you have a teammate that's not doing that, and that's what Luca's got to deal with right now. And it's, Aaron uh, Rodgers shows up even when he's got easier. a broken collarbone. Four more years, please. Four more years. <laughs> I just love that that shirt has the mustache on it too. It's just great. <laughs> I just like finding the random. How many? Days. 
I'm also just trying to figure out like how many different hairstyles and facial hairstyles has Aaron Rodgers had just over the last four years alone. It's got to be like 20 different combinations. There was Con Air, Nicolas Cage, Aaron Rodgers. Now yep. there's like clean yep. cut. When he got to New York, it was like he became a Yankee, right? He like shaved, had the gel in the hair again. It'll be interesting to see but where he, he goes. Still says, still says how he feels, and that's what matters. I'd say go full shaved head. Final hour coming up. Bet MGM tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more Bet MGM tonight. Presented by Bet MGM.